0: Welcome, everyone, to Week 8 of From the Stands College Football Game Day Show. My name is Brian, joined by Andy Hopper and Tom Scavetta. How's it going, guys?
1: It's going good. Going good. Um, Notre Dame coming off a bye week. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having us again. And this is going to be an interesting week because there's not many good games to talk about, which I know we're going to dive into in just a few moments. But, man... um, Mm -hmm interesting week of college football to say the least
0: it is probably one of the more boring weeks but we will try to make it a little bit exciting i guess here uh no ranked matchups but we'll start with last week's uh weekly recap here there were a few ranked matchups tom we'll start with you uh what were your favorite games of the week what caught your eye
1: what really caught my eye was Utah upsetting Arizona State, and I, don't, I know that's a little wild card, but 208 rushing yards and the Sun Devils had 13 penalties. That was the most interesting game in my eyes, and unfortunately, Iowa losing to Purdue 24 to seven, blowing their college football playoff chances. Uh, Purdue David Bell had 11. 11- uh, receptions for 240 yards and a score. Aiden O'Connell went off through for 375 yards and a quarterback that Andy has bashed all year. Spencer <laughs> Petrus, throws four interceptions. Iowa was never winning football games with their offense. It was all with their defense. So those two games stood out to me the most. And I did get to call the division one game uh, FCS on Saturday, LIU Sharks falling to Merrimack 43 to 5. It's been a very rough (laughs) transition to Division 1 for the LIU
0: Sharks. All right, A little bit of D2 action there. Andy, what game's caught your eye? Uh, I will give a shout out to Tom. I tuned into
2: his radio call, which was incredible. The first play I tuned into was an LIU blocked extra point where they (laughs) ran it back and and got two of those five points. I was like, okay, here we go. Maybe this is the good juju we need, but Unfortunately, it was Mary Max day, uh, but shout out to you, Tom, for that for that call. So, really, what caught my eye here? Uh, Going to go a little bit off the beaten path. U. L. Monroe, thirty one Liberty, twenty eight Malik Willis, a quarterback. Tom hasn't been sold on this year. Throws for three interceptions and. <laughs> They get upset. Liberty fly. uh, they get upset. They were 32-point favorites coming into this game, and they not only- they not only lose, or they not- the Warhawks not only cover, but they win outright. Incredible win for them. Uh, Rodgers, 225, two touchdowns. Henry, 80 yards on the ground and a score for him. You know, Malik Willis, also. you know, he, uh, 135, one score, three interceptions. 157, two scores on the ground. Um, just not his day and a really, really bad loss for this Liberty team on the road. But shout out to you all, Monroe. You do not see 32-point uh, underdogs winning outright. Very often. And, and I'm going to a guy that I have to shout out who I can only assume watched our report card segment from last night is Ty Davis or last week is Ty Davis price. Uh, the L, uh, the LSU running back 36 carries for 287 yards and three touchdowns in LSU's upset win over number 20, Florida uh, coming into the game guys on the season, he had 67 carries for 287 yards. He matches it in this one game on 36 carries, goes for an LSU record, 287. So, shout out to you, uh, hat tip. Uh, I got my headphones on. I can't really do it. Uh <laughs> To Ty Davis-Price. Definitely listen to the show. I definitely, what is his, uh, his motivation there? And then, of course, the last game I want to mention since Tom... Uh, mentioned Purdue Iowa you mentioned David Bell he absolutely fucking owns the Hawkeyes I think uh, two years ago he had 170 last year he had 190 and then this year like 210 Uh, absolutely lives in the Hawkeyes heads rent free you hate to see you hate to see the number two Hawkeyes uh, go down But you guys will always have that week. You'll always have that week of number two and pretending that your quarterback wasn't fucking shit. Uh, All right. Last game is Georgia-Kentucky. Georgia gets it done again. Uh, Really, all I wanted to say is I love Mark Stoops. He takes a timeout with three seconds left, down 23 points just so he can score a touchdown and cover the spread. As somebody that had Kentucky plus 21 and a half, Mark, I thank you. Georgia proves once again that they are the best team in the country with a 30-13 to 13 victory. Uh, I don't see them losing this season, guys.
0: Yeah, it, it, that'll be tough. Uh, notably, uh, after that Georgia game, obviously I tuned into that one as well with that big win. They get a flip, five-star. Mikel Williams uh, was committed to the University of Southern California, but he is no longer. He's flipped to Georgia. He'd seen enough. He went to the game. Uh, he's like, those are my dogs. He is, I believe, a hometown, uh, or at least close to Athens uh, in the state of Georgia. So, you know, that makes sense. So that was probably a flip that might have happened anyways. Um, but, yeah, got to give a shout-out. Andy, how could you forget, you've been hyping them, that UTSA Roadrunners now in the rankings for the first time in school history, number 24.
2: Listen, You, you act like I forget, but, uh, <laughs> or you're forgetting that they're on our shots and chasers later. That's when I was going to hype it up, but... I I think the whole college football world watched our, our, our report card segment so yeah. I got calling for UTSA to be ranked, uh, Ty Davis price, calling him out for being shit. Uh, and then, you know, the whole coach O thing pretty much saying that was over, we're going to get into that here in our, in our next segment or, or in a little bit, I think. And, uh, yeah. What else? Georgia's defense just being insane. So, yeah. Uh, a lot of look—you gotta take a lot of things I say with a grain of salt or a little bit of skepticism. I mean, pretty much anybody who's ever heard me talk knows that I that I'm full of shit. So it feels good when I'm right about things sometimes, guys. Yeah. That's one so, so. one last point, Brian. Yep. Tight ends. You know I'm a tight end guy. Brock. No, you love him. <laughs> <laughs> two two TDs, two tutties. Yep. As a I, freshman, that's insane.
0: Over hundred yards, two TDs, uh, and he's you know like you said, true freshman. Um, gotta be, do, do they do all freshman teams, uh, like awards at the end of the season?
1: Like all yes. rookie teams. Okay. College. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's
0: gotta be, he's gotta be in the mix. I think is is mayor. Mayor's not a true freshman. Is he? Mayor's a soft. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Brock Bowers providing a little bit of tight end action for Tom. Uh, and then the Tommy last Titans. one, last one I wanted to note for the pick last week. I went against the grain with Utah. I told you, they don't let they don't like those Mormons in thin air over there. It's a tough place to play. Uh, Utah taking the win. Uh, with that recap finished, we will move into our first segment of the week. We're gonna do a little eye test. Committee's first rankings are coming up. They love to talk about the eye test, so we're gonna do one of our own. Uh, there is our chart. Little eye test there for you. We will start at the bottom. Uh, At number 18, we have NC State, uh, ranked second of ACC teams right now. Got one loss, uh, but they still have a shot to win the ACC here. Um, Not talked about very much because Wake Forest does have that number one ACC spot right now and is undefeated. Uh, Tom, what do you think of this NC State team?
1: I think they're looking at a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, they're five and one right now, two and zero oh in the ACC. That's all great, and they've won four in a row. And I love their QB Devin Leary, fifteen TDs on the season. He's looked rock solid, but that loss to Mississippi State is gonna hurt them. They're they're not making the college football playoff. I mean, they're ranked eighteenth, and they're probably still gonna lose at least one more game. So I think a New Year's Six Bowl is probably where they're landing right now.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting call for them because. Again, they do have that loss, but it's out of conference, so that doesn't hurt them in the ACC. And I think, to me at least, the one of the more notable things here is ranking-wise, they're only two spots behind Wake Forest with a loss. Wake Forest is undefeated, so you know, d- depending on how things play out here, they don't play Wake Forest. Oh, sorry, they do. They don't, but they don't play Wake Forest for a few weeks here. It's at Wake Forest. They're going to jump pretty high if they win that game on the road at ranked wake um obviously we'll have to see how things sort out uh up until then ranking wise but you know wake forest could be up to you know let's say number 12 by then uh they pull off a big road win um that that'll push them up the rankings and i i agree i you know you said a few weeks ago that wake forest was the team that could show out for uh the acc here but nc state is no slouch um if they get that win on the road in a few weeks, uh, I agree new I think new york six Bowl uh, is definitely in the cards um for nc state here Andy
2: yeah, I don't know what el- what what else I can really add because i I do agree I think New year's six is really their ceiling here. if you look at their schedule they they got miami this weekend uh that is on the road uh to miami uh they host Louisville they go to Tallahassee to play Florida State they do have to go to Wake Forest they host Syracuse which I think could actually be a sneaky letdown game for them coming off depending on the result of that Wake Forest game Syracuse has been playing teams in the ACC really tough I really like Garrett Schrader at quarterback for them and then they end the year with that rivalry with UNC which you know is always close so I mean they have to keep winning here but I think there is a scenario where they could lose three games uh at, at the end of the season here so i think that's a very hot take they're a very good team obviously you look at their resume tom mentioned the loss to mississippi state this is a team that uh took down clemson they beat a you know a decent louisiana tech team i know when you hear louisiana tech you don't that doesn't strike fear in you but they're not a bad football team this year um I'm not expecting NC state to lose three games uh, (laughs) near the end of the year, but I'm just saying I I could see a scenario like it's new Year's six or it's like the Outback bowl.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I feel like that's uh, been a bit of a storyline for them uh, year after year. Could be a one loss team. That's very good. Or, uh, you know, drop three or four in the last, you know, five (laughs) games of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moving on to the next one, we have Oklahoma State Um, obviously have taken a little bit of a backseat in terms of media coverage uh, to their rivals in-state, the Oklahoma Sooners, because of the Rattler news. Um, But they're still there. They are still undefeated, and they are ranked number eight right now. Um, Andy, we'll start with you on this one. What's your take on the Cowboys here?
2: Yes. I mean, I think we mentioned it either last week or a couple weeks ago, this isn't your typical Oklahoma state team. They are, they're way better defensively than they usually are a little slower offensively than they usually are. They kind of have found their footing the past couple weeks, you know, Sanders still back at uh back there at quarterback. My only concern with him is, 959 six touchdowns to five interceptions. I'll let our ratio guy Brian uh tell you guys how bad that is, but uh so they 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 seem to have gotten, you know, taken a few steps forward offensively the past couple of weeks. Uh defensively they're still rock solid if you look at what they have the rest of the way. Obviously this weekend that big matchup with Iowa State. Uh Iowa State favored by a touchdown. Um it is in Ames, so I think that probably has something to do with it. But I mean, this is the, the number eight team in the country. So let's say they get past Ohio uh, Iowa State. They have Kansas at home. That's a lock. West Virginia. They have to go to West Virginia, who's been playing decent football, but you know, not the best. TCU. TCU just gave you know Oklahoma a pretty decent game. Max Duggan. Uh, I don't know if anybody else watched that game, but like, they talked about how like tough and like toughness max duggan was showing on literally like every play if you were taking a drink every time they said it you would be black out by the third (laughs) quarter uh second to last week of the year they got to go to texas tech and then obviously bedlam at the end of the year i there's a scenario where oklahoma state and oklahoma enter bedlam both undefeated and if if that is the case and oklahoma state somehow gets past oklahoma they're in the playoff uh so i their ceiling playoff, uh, I think low point, is New Year's Six Bowl.
0: Yeah, it's they're just such a weird team. It's like so it's hard weird. yeah, to track whether this team is good or not. And I, I think the worst thing for them, like you said, that those numbers not looking good for uh, Sanders there. I do not like them at all. But the backup, Shane Illingsworth, isn't much better. 55% completion percentage. <laughs> So you can't it's not even a scenario where you can pull an Oklahoma and replace him with a guy who's got potential. I mean, maybe we just haven't seen enough of him. He's only thrown the ball 40 times for him, but I mean, it's not that great. Um I, I don't know if at this point if you can trust, you know, making that switch. Sanders has been he's been getting the job done, but it's you know, when once you crack that top 10 and you know you've got a shot, I mean, you got to take a good look at your team and Uh, Get those pieces in place very quickly, and I just—if I'm the Oklahoma State coaching staff—I just don't know. I mean, I would be pretty scared. Um, Yeah, they go to to this Ames game is probably going to be really difficult for them. Um, Iowa State is, you know, kind of on and off each week. Both of these teams allowing under 100 rushing yards um, per game, so maybe that helps them against Brees Hall here. He had a pretty good week last week. Uh guys, you know, found his his juju a little bit, so uh, that ground game could be very important. Bedlam, like you said, is probably gonna be that's probably gonna be it. Um but I honestly can't make a call. Even even with Caleb Williams looking better than Rattler, I can't make a call in that game. That's how confusing this Oklahoma State team is. Um I don't think they're gonna get New Year's six. Um, even though I said they probably will win Bedlam, but I think they probably lose the regular season matchup. Um, sorry that they, they win, uh, Bedlam and then lose in the conference championship game. So that might put them on the edge of New Year Six. I'm not sure. Um, I'm I'm sure with tie ins they might get one, but uh, I'm not, I'm not too hopeful. Tom, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, when you look at Oklahoma State, you need to talk about the eye test. And what's the first thing you see? They've beaten three ranked teams in three straight weeks. Bad quarterback or not, their defense has been there. Their running game has been there. You have to consider them for the college football playoff, regardless of the quarterback play. Um, Will they get there? Well, they have an opportunity. Now, they're playing Oklahoma, and that's their biggest test. If they win that game, they're soaring into the Big 12 title game, right? And they're undefeated. Can they win the Big 12 title game? That's the biggest question. Will they meet? You know, it depends who they meet in that game. Will Oklahoma fall off? You mentioned the quarterback situation. What's going to happen with Caleb Williams? Is Spencer Rattler going to come back into the fold? Who the hell knows? Right now, I think new, I think New Year Six is most likely for Oklahoma State, but to Brian's point, I would not be shocked if they crash and burn.
0: Andy, on that note, uh, you had a little bit of breaking news for us on Rattler earlier. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you were seeing.
2: Yeah, so I don't know if uh, people live on Twitter as much as I do. It, it's a disease, but uh, I saw earlier somebody had a screenshot. This was a report. Uh, I think we like tried to fact check it before, and it might, he may have changed it back. But at some point this week, Spencer Rattler had taken the University of Oklahoma out of his bio on Instagram. I know this is breaking news, shocking to everybody, but so— His bio, like at the top, says like Spencer Rattler, quarterback, University of Oklahoma. Uh, At some point, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, uh, somebody had caught it It just said quarterback. Uh, No longer said the University of Oklahoma. When Brian tried to look it up again before the show, I think he changed it back. So that means either all the tweets about it uh, got back. i mean, sure I'm sure they got back to the fucking Oklahoma uh, <laughs> coaching staff. Somebody pulled him into a room, and said, hey, uh, you're either with us or, or against us. But it's only a matter of time before he's in the transfer portal.
0: So, yeah, I think he's gone as well. Uh, and then lastly here on our eye test, we have Ohio State currently sitting at number five uh, with their one loss. But they've turned it on these last four weeks. Uh, opponents, you know, not not as good. Um, they still have some big games coming up, um, but they do seem to have their shit together a little bit. Uh, as we, you know, complained about them a little bit towards the beginning of the season. Obviously, they took that big loss to Oregon, um, which would have been a nice out-of-conference win for them. Andy, we'll start with you. This one. What's your take on the Buckeyes here?
2: Yeah, these fuckers are gonna play their way into the <laughs> fucking playoff again, dude again uh so obviously they stumble uh not at, i want to say at oregon it was at home they stumble at home against oregon earlier in the year uh but they really have picked it up people got on cj stroud you know the freshman said that you know after his slow start but he's got 16 1600 16 1699 yards 18 touchdowns and three interceptions how about that ratio bra guy um <laughs> But you mentioned that the the past couple weeks have been against pretty inferior opponents, but I want to point out the rest of their schedule. So they've got six games to go. Four of those six games are against ranked opponents. Uh, So they have this week, they have to go to Indiana, which could be a tough game. Indiana is probably going to sell that out. They have, they host Penn state. They have to go to Nebraska, which could be a tough game for them too. They, they, They host number 25, Purdue. If we remember like two or three years ago, Purdue ended uh, Ohio state's playoff chances. Uh, They have to host number nine, Michigan state. And then they end the year with the game. Uh, They go to the big house to play Michigan. So they, even with that loss at Oregon, they have a very, very, very good opportunity to build their resume and grab four ranked wins. Uh, as if you look over at Oregon's schedule, they have no opponents that are currently ranked in the top 25 left, um, on their schedule. So it's going to be really annoying. People are going to complain when Ohio state gets in over Oregon. I'm not even (laughs) saying this is if both of these teams went out, they both finished the year at, you know, 12 and one and both win their conference championship games. There's, I mean, you're going to have to make the case for Oregon. It's like, well, they beat Ohio state, but then uh, you you know this committee, you know this committee. They're gonna they're gonna put Ohio State in. So uh, I test I think is playoff right now for Ohio State.
0: All right, Tom.
2: I agree with Andy
0: to
1: an extent. Um, so I think they have a college football playoff shot. Now they're five and one, and their one loss was to Oregon, out of conference loss. Like we alluded to before, um, with uh, NC State, they lost an out of conference game. So. Looking at their schedule, yes, it's it's tough. It's not easy, um, you know, Michigan State and Michigan to wrap up the season. There's a good chance they may lose one of those games. Who knows? But they have Garrett Wilson. They have Chris Olave. They have CJ Stroud. There's too many weapons on this team for me to predict a loss for them right now. Um, I think Michigan's going to fall off. I think their toughest test is Michigan State, and they have them at home. Um, I'm not so impressed with Penn State right now um that game is probably still up in the air but i think the ceiling is playoff and obviously worst case scenario new year six but as of right now brian you brought up a great point before Uh, people are going to complain if them in oregon end up with the same record they're both conference champions and ohio state gets in but you have to look at the strength of schedule it's not what you did early on in the season it's what have you done lately to build your resume and oregon has one good win, Ohio State is going to end up with four ranked wins if they win out, plus the Big Ten championship game. How do you leave them out Yeah. at that point? I mean, I think the argument would be um, them against Oklahoma, if Oklahoma loses. It wouldn't be against Ohio State even though they already beat Ohio State. But the Buckeyes have a real good shot here, and the room for error is little to none. They have to win out.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um uh, I think one of the more interesting things here besides like like you guys said the the back half of this schedule is very uh heavy here. Um so obviously, you know, if they do get all those wins, it looks very good for them because those are uh nice ranked wins. Um but Iowa going down to Purdue, I think could hurt a little um for that Big 10 championship game. Not I mean, Iowa didn't fall too too far so that you know if they can build themselves back up, uh, that'll be a nice, good-ranked win. Uh, obviously, w- winning the conference in itself will look good in the committee's eyes, but the next next team up uh, out of the West is Minnesota, who is unranked, I believe, right now at 4-2. and two. Um, They might drop another game as well, so... If, if if that conference championship game ends up being against an unranked team or a team that's ranked like 20 and will fall out of the rankings after they lose that Big 10 championship game um that might weigh a little bit in that comparison like you said Tom to a team like Oklahoma if that's who they're being weighed up against um by the committee uh and that, you know th- that can always hurt a weapon that you didn't bring up uh, my man Travion Henderson loved this kid um you know, t- almost top 25, he's currently 26 right now in rushing yards on only 70 carries. Uh, almost everyone else ahead of him has over 120 carries. Uh, so he's he's delivering for them. Uh, and Wilson and Olave, like you said, uh, great receivers for them. Seven and six touchdowns respectively for them, which puts both of them in the top 20 in the nation. So a ton of weapons there for CJ Stroud. Um, just a great... Time for them to start getting things clicking. Um, you know, as they come into these games that are going to be, you know, pretty difficult for them, not including Nebraska. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll wrap up the eye test, though. Uh, we'll do a quick social media shout out. Uh, if you have not already, subscribe down below. You can see the button. I know you see it. Uh, follow on Twitter at FromTheStandsUS. And if you want to follow Andy and Tom stuff, uh, down below in the description, you'll see all their links. Uh, Tom, is that merch still available?
1: Yep, it's still available till Monday. Make sure you grab some. Uh, appreciate everybody who supported thus far. And uh, yeah, it's our campaign. We'll, we'll probably bring it back at some point. But for now, you have until Monday coffee mugs, T-shirts, long sleeve shirts, sweatshirts. Um, yeah, we have the whole nine yards. And we appreciate everybody who supported thus far. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to seeing um, everybody wearing their apparel. So we'll have some good giveaways in the future.
0: There you go. Merch Lake also down in the description below with all their links to their shows. And we'll move on now to our next segment. A little bit of hot seat action. Uh, This is hot seats. Some nice little flames there uh, on the graphic. We have obviously probably the biggest coaching news um, of the season thus far is Coach O will be let go at the end of the season. Uh, some on-the-field and off-the-field things uh, going on for him, and LSU decided that it is time to go. Uh, so we're going to cover a little bit of what's going on, because this is probably the beginning of the Coach of Carousel here. Um, now that that is official, I think everyone is kind of you know thinking that this was going to happen by the end of the year, maybe uh, midseason, but they will let him finish out the season. So now the LSU and USC coaching positions are available to very big spots. Um, but yeah, who else do you guys think is potentially on the hot seat here, uh, for this year? Tom, we'll start with you on this one. I think,
1: um, Big Dino up in Syracuse has to be on the hot seat three and four on the year oh and three in the ACC a down year for the ACC he's only had one season above 500 since taking over in 2016 he's had more than enough time to prove his worth as their head coach uh, Dino Babers I- I'm not so sure if he's going to last past this season I know. Um, we, Andy and I have a good friend, Caitlin McCarthy, who reports up at Syracuse, the, new, the Newhouse School of Journalism and Broadcasting. And uh, a lot of people are not fans of him. I mean, it, it, there's been a lot <laughs> of issues around that football team right now. I think he's gone. Uh, Dan Mullen, the team has really digressed since 2018. Florida, uh, we we're talking about them potentially being contenders after their game against alabama in the swamp but they've lost three football games now and they're below 500 in the sec that's the second one and then the third one for me is manny diaz out of miami um does he have time to turn it around yes but again this is a guy who has not been very successful last year the team was good you still have deara king I, i get it he lost a lot of good defensive players to the draft but I mean, you mentioned the whole ACC looks like trash. You're two and four. You haven't won a game in the <laughs> ACC. If you don't start winning games in the ACC, stick a fork in them. So Di's,
2: Babers, and Mullen are my three guys on the hot seat right now.
0: There you go, Andy. Who's on Who's on your hot seat list here?
2: Fun fact, uh, Tom. You know where Dino Babers coached before he came to Syracuse? Bowling Green. Right down the road from me at Eastern Illinois University in Charleston. Panthers, baby. Um, So I am currently on Uh, (laughs) coacheshotseat.com. It it has the top, or I guess you could call them the top or the bottom 30. Uh, The coaches that are on the hottest seat in college football right now. And Tom did a pretty good job. Uh, So number one is Scott Frost. At Nebraska, number two is Jeff Scott at South Florida. South Florida's terrible. Um, Manny Diaz at number three. Babers at number four. Seth Luttrell at North Texas is at number five. Justin Fuente, Virginia Tech, number six. Dan Mullen, uh, Florida, number seven. Butch Davis at FIU, number eight. Neil Brown, West Virginia, number nine. And then rounding out the top ten is Doug Martin at New Mexico State. Um, I don't know. I didn't even know this website existed. So that's, that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 mean, I've been talking about Scott Frost like all year. Uh, they, you know, obviously with the lost Illinois that, that kind of amp those up, uh, they've had a couple games where they've looked like they've, you know, they're kind of getting it together. They're, you know, they're, they're coming, coming around, but it's just every game. There are backbreaking turnovers, are back breaking penalties. A lot of Nebraska fans seem to believe that it this comes down to coaching and discipline. Uh, in practice is why they are, you know, letting these small mistakes, you know, just kind of I don't want to say end their season, but really end their season, really, you know, lose them these games. So I think Frost, I think you nailed it with Manny Diaz as well. He, his seat is very warm. I have a take. Manny Diaz gets canned. Coach O to Miami.
0: Ooh. I, I can't imagine Coach O in South Beach. feel like he'd get a little, uh, a little wild down there.
2: Uh, he will have to control his horniness in South Beach if, <laughs> if that happens, but that is, that is just my take. Other than that, I mean, yeah, Dan Mullen, he, he really needs to watch out. We know how just hungry that Florida fan base is for a winner. Really any SEC team. Um, I think a dark horse, Mike Leach at Mississippi State. If they keep uh, you know, losing and his his whole system not working, I think the Bulldogs could be looking for a new head coach here sometime soon.
0: Yeah. SEC teams do typically have, I feel like, a shorter leash. Uh and <laughs> his play style is very interesting, we'll say. Um, um so when it doesn't work, I I agree he could that, that's a good good take there on that one. Um yeah, I don't have much to say because you guys just covered both both of mine. I think Frost and Manny Diaz are the two biggest ones for me. Um, good to see they're both ranked pretty high on coachinghotseats.com.
2: <laughs> yeah, check it out if, <laughs> if you're interested. Pretty, pretty decent that's crazy. Top, top 30 here.
0: Uh, yeah, so shout out to those. I'm actually going to check that website out. I didn't know if people uh, could really track that information.
2: Oh, yeah, you can also follow them on Twitter at Coaches Hot Seat. That's, that's something.
0: There you go. But, yeah, I mean, Frost, for me, obviously following the saga, um, since he has been you know, out of UCF, since they stole him away from us uh, and made the announcement right after a, b- a big win for us. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, ha- haven't been. I, I, got, haven't I got been
2: one for you. Oh, okay. Uh, Butch Davis, uh, with Butch Davis nearing retirement, FIU post head football coaching job. Ooh. So maybe he he finishes the year
0: and then uh, he he's gone. Is this one of those? Did they post it on like LinkedIn? I feel like this has happened a few times where they just footballscoop.com. <laughs> they retweeted it. I, I feel like there's been a few situations with uh, like lower tier schools where they've been searching for a head coach and they put it on uh like Indeed or LinkedIn.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's actually what they did. No, I think you're <laughs> right. Like they, you know, Or, like, you can Google, like, university jobs. Like, it's probably posted, like, football coach. But, like, they haven't, like, officially announced it,
0: I don't think. Yeah, that's, that's just so weird to me that they do that. Um, but, yeah, so Scott Frost, uh, three wins for the Husker, Cornhuskers last year. They've got three right now. Um, they don't look great on the field. So, uh, even if they sneak out a few more wins, I can't imagine – uh, Nebraska and his boosters are too happy with what's going on and then Manny Diaz I mean to, to me it's not even so much the games they were 8-3 and three last year had a, got a decent bowl game they lost it obviously to uh, Oklahoma State but it's just like the vibe I feel like has died ever since like you know the whole start of the turnover chain like you're like alright just getting back together you know this is the Miami we used to know and it's just completely gone downhill over the last two seasons Um I, th- I think the epitome of describing that situation was, I brought this up a few weeks ago, they had that turnover, brought out the turnover chain, turned out to not be a turnover, and they had to sadly, you know, just place it back in the box as they all looked yeah, on. Went um, down
2: 27 to nothing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Just very, it's very weird vibes coming out of Miami right now. Um, Fuck Miami. I, I agree. Right.
2: I'm, I'm, unless Coach O goes there, but. <laughs>
0: not going to lie, that I'd, I'd be on the coach of a train if you went to Miami. Is
2: there any, like, like <laughs> you look at Manny Diaz's face, he it looks like a fucking douchebag. Like, I really don't care uh, if they if they are bad. I really like Derek King a lot. I think he, he, he's really fun to watch, but this whole, oh, Miami's so back, Miami's so back. They got super cocky, like, on the recruiting trail a couple years ago. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck are you? Like, like you guys haven't been good since, what, 19-whatever. come on come talk like it's tom said tom said earlier what have you done for me lately nothing
0: (laughs) there you go uh (laughs) and and, uh i I guess a a little quick take here like i said the usc job is open the lsu job is open um what do you guys think is you know the better of the two this seems to be like the biggest argument
2: I don't think it's close. I think it's LSU. And I was somebody that clamored on this show at the beginning of the year when the USC (laughs) job became open, that it's a top five job. LSU is a top three job in the country. The last three head coaches at LSU have all won national championships. Uh, I say it all the time. You know how easily they can get the dudes in there? The dudes, guys. (laughs) The dudes. LSU is immensely a better job than USC. Uh, just because they're in the, I mean, they're in the SEC. Death Valley is one of the best, just pure college football environments uh, in the country. Yeah, I, I think LSU's the better job here, and I don't
0: think it's close. Tom, you agree? Oh,
2: well, USC is going to get
1: smacked this weekend by an <laughs> by an independent school who's going to flirt their <laughs> way back up to the top ten in the nation, and we're going to have to talk about them again in a week or two as possibly being a contender. Um. Yeah. So the more desirable, desirable job is LSU. I mean, Coach O comes out and annihilates Florida. Not annihilates, but beats Florida after <laughs> the announcement that he won't return. Uh, which is unfortunate because I like the guy a lot. Um, I think LSU is a more coveted position. I think there's a good amount of candidates that could take over that job. But if I'm a head coach, and I'm you know, on interviews and stuff, I'm taking LSU much more seriously than USC because the track record there has been so much better over recent years, not to mention what they've done with developing their quarterbacks. Uh, Joe Burrow was a transfer. They developed him into the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, Derek Stingley, another good another good example. Um, Devin White, right? So these guys have gone on to become great NFL players and I really like the system they have there. So LSU for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a sweep. Uh, I think LSU is the better job. Uh, probably going to come with more money uh, as well, which is always nice. Um, but yeah, as in terms of like football support, I feel like pretty much any school in like the state of California, um, the football support is you know going down. Whereas in the SEC, you're always going to have it. Um, so they might be quicker to fire you if you start doing bad, but.
2: There's a lot more shit to go do in Los Angeles than there is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, on a Saturday.
0: I uh, just say that Coach O might disagree with that. He looks to be uh, having with some fun. E, mean, you
2: take him, you take him out to fucking Southern California. He's gonna have to control his his too. <laughs> uh, USC should hire Coach O. I'm just for uh, pro Coach O getting any job in the country. Um, I don't know. He he did say in his press conference though. He's like he's getting like a sixteen. Or a 17 million dollar buyout. I'm gonna have enough money to buy myself a cheeseburger. He's <laughs> like, said he wants to take some time off, so I don't know if we're gonna see him back in the coaching world or or how long that's gonna take. But uh, he's gonna have a lot of money to to not coach at at LSU. So
0: yeah, that is a very nice situation uh, for him. I'm sure he'd rather be coaching, but uh, the money is always nice, especially 17 million dollars worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, we'll transition into our Shots and Chasers, the games of the week. Uh, First up, talked a little bit about Wake Forest uh, being slightly ahead of NC State uh, for ACC pecking order. They are taking on Army. Um, This is a very interesting matchup. Obviously, Army gives some teams some trouble uh, with that time of possession, with that triple option offense. Uh, Andy, we'll start with you on this one. Who do you like in this game?
2: Well, we saw Army give Wisconsin almost all they could handle last week. I think only losing twenty to fourteen, a six-point loss for them. Obviously, Wake Forest comes into this game number sixteen. They haven't lost yet on the year. Uh, we mentioned their high-powered offense before on the show. You have Hartman's thrown for sixteen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, the running game really isn't a huge strength. Um, for Wake Forest, you know, their leading rusher uh, is, excuse me, I have his name right here, uh, Christian Beal Smith with only 300, uh, 375 yards on the ground on the year with five touchdowns. I mean, and we all know what Army football wants to do. It's the triple option. They're going to run the ball down your throat. Uh, and they're going to see how many times they can do it. Um, we, And it's hard to prepare for this triple option offense in just one week. Um, I'll be curious to see what, you know, what adjustments this Wake Forest coaching staff has made for their players for this game. If you, on the year, uh, they're allowing Wake Forest is, they're allowing 173 rush yards per game. That could be uh, something that like an Achilles heel. It could be, it could be a problem in this game for for an army team that or for Wake Forest that, they're facing an army team that comes in averaging just a shade under 300 yards per game on the ground 295 on the year. So I don't know. I think Wake Forest might be on upset alert in this game. Only a three point spread army comes in at four and two. I think army covers, but I think Wake Forest wins, but I think they're on upset alert this week.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, even to this moment i'm still not sure it's it's always weird picking army um, i know
2: but it's on american not to so
0: yeah th- I, that that <laughs> might uh you always you always get something in there that will change my mind last second that might have been it there um you
2: just need to start ignoring that shit dude. <laughs> <laughs> i'll
0: i'll start start muting you for the last five seconds before i start yeah. talking um but no yeah obviously the loss to wisconsin um I th- I think for from Army's standpoint, um, it was a better performance. I think most people probably would have picked Wisconsin to win that game pretty handily. Um, but on the other side, Wake Forest comes off an overtime win against Syracuse, um, which is not.
2: Right, that's what I'm saying. I said it. I said it earlier. Syracuse, like you mentioned, they're zero three in the ACC, but they're they're giving teams games. They're they're playing close. But it is you know it's Babers what fourth or fifth year. And he's kind of the time that you'd like to think he'd be able to build a team that would be able to win these close games. Sorry, I'm done.
0: No, you're good. Um, but yeah, Army's only allowing 76 yards on the ground, so they're going to force Wake Forest uh, to throw here. I mean, I haven't gotten a chance to watch very much of Wake Forest, so I don't know you know, how efficient they've been. But, you know, just looking at their games, they've squeaked out some wins that, you know, when you're ranked and trying to, to get into, you know, New York Six Bowl, which is probably – their ceiling at this point. Um, You need to to win these games big. Three-point win against Louisville. Um, The Virginia game, they did pretty decent, but yeah, I don't know. This recent Syracuse game has got me questioning them. Um, I think if Army, they barely lost the time of possession battle to Wisconsin last week, but if they can drain the clock on this Wake Forest team who's kind of like newly in the spotlight, um, if they go over... 35 you know 37 minutes time of possession i think army uh wins this game by just battling on the ground uh with that ground game so andy you did flip me here um going with america pick an army tom
1: oh, i'm glad you did it uh hold on gabe flayton's on the line he's calling me from cornwall new york right now i gotta i gotta pick up this call hey gabe hey how's it going Put him on speaker oh you're picking army okay Uh, No, so my buddy Gabe Flayton lives up near where Army plays in West Point. And actually, I'm going to be about 20 minutes away from there on Saturday. So I think Army has a really good shot to win this football game. Um, Like I said, I have a couple of good buddies like Gabe who are avid Army supporters. But a couple things we didn't mention about Wake Forest that need to be mentioned. Sam Hartman, 14 touchdowns on the season. A.T. Perry has seven touchdown receptions. And then Luke Masterson. Has He's one of the oldest players in college football who's very experienced back there defensively. I think he's going to read Christian Anderson like a book in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. As much as I want to pick Army, I'm glad Brian did it so that I didn't have to. I'm going to pick Wake Forest, but I don't say that <laughs> with a whole lot of confidence. Wake Forest sneaks by by a
2: field goal. Exactly.
0: All right, and then moving into the chaser for noon slot, we have Michigan. Sorry, Gabe. Sorry, Gabe. Uh, We have Michigan taking on Northwestern. Uh, Michigan ranked Northwestern 23.5-point underdogs, uh, at least at the moment. Um, We'll probably go up, honestly. Um, But the Wolverines, despite winning the last six matchups, four of those have been by one score. Uh, So it could be an interesting matchup here. Northwestern has been known to get a few episodes here uh tom who takes this game
2: well
1: michigan has a great pair of running backs and blake corum and hassan haskins blake corum has eight touchdowns on the year hassan haskins has eight touchdowns on the year that's 16 rushing touchdowns on the ground with just your two top running backs combined so what can michigan do very well they can run the football what does northwestern do very well pressure the quarterback they have 14 sacks and they force nine turnovers You have to stop the run. If you're Northwestern in this football game, will they be able to do that? That's the real question. On the other side of the ball, Northwestern has Evan Hull at running back. Great running back over 550 yards on the season, but you're going up against Aiden Hutchinson, who's going to be a first round pick in this year's draft and David Ajabo. Each player has four and a half sacks. The Wolverines, are coming off a three-point win at Nebraska, a team that we just said should potentially have their head coach fired. It's not this week that Michigan's losing. Next week, they're losing. I'm calling it now. I'm pulling a Brian McArdle. Michigan will lose next week. I believe they're playing Michigan State, right? Mm -hmm. They're losing that football game. They're going to lose to the Spartans, but they're not losing this week. Uh, they're not covering that 23-and-a-half-point spread. They, they failed to cover the spread numerous times this season, but the Wolverines are going to come out on top. As that that pains me to say. Oh,
2: God, they're 5-and-1 against the spread this year. The Wolverines are.
1: Well, okay, well, scratch that. They haven't beaten <laughs> their opposition. Uh, they haven't destroyed – like, they, haven't, they didn't play Rutgers well. They didn't play Nebraska well. Okay. Those are a couple Agreed. of examples. I agree. Um, that I'm trying to bring up. But yeah, uh Michigan.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree here. Despite the reason this was on the card was because of how close some of those master matchups in the past have been. Um, you know, Northwestern does like to upset teams that are looking for that playoff spot uh right. late in the season. Uh but yeah, like you said, uh Coram and Corum and Haskins uh, with those eight touchdowns, both uh almost tops of the league here. Uh I believe top Top twenty-five for both of them. Um, so yeah, that run game, Nebraska or sorry, Northwestern is letting up over two hundred yards on the ground right now. Um, if this is only one running back situation uh, where they had to rely on a guy who they're giving forty carries to, I think you know probably they can you know make it close. Um, but when Michigan can just swap those guys in and out, uh, get them rested, have them pound on the ground, I think they'll do fine. You know, McNamara isn't the best QB, a little Petrus-like, without all the interceptions, uh, especially last week. Um, But he does get the job done uh, when those two dudes need rest for Michigan. Um, 23.5 seems pretty high, especially, you know, given what I said about how close Northwestern likes to keep this game. Um, But it is at Michigan. I probably just avoid the spread, but I'm taking the Wolverines here. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. If this was played at Ryan Field in Evanston sleepy time at eleven AM where nobody's <laughs> fucking there, the Wildcats have a chance where you just hope Michigan sleepwalks through it. My I'm a little concerned Michigan has a you know a look ahead game here where they're not really, they're just kind of looking over, looking past the Wildcats, and they're looking ahead to Michigan State, the huge rivalry game next week. But I mean, Brian, you said it. I mean, Northwestern is allowing 205 yards through the air per game and 205 yards on the ground per game. They can't stop shit. This is not the the good Northwestern defense we're used to seeing uh, from Pat Fitzgerald's team in years past. And I think, yeah, we have you know Haskins and Corum. I think they're just going to eat. Bold, predict- bold prediction here. I think they both go for 100 plus yards. In this game, I think Michigan rolls. I don't know if they cover 23 and a half. I think the spread opened at like 18 or something uh, like that. And it's it's quickly jumped up to 23 and a half. So if that tells you anything, I don't know. 23 and a half in a conference game. It's a lot of points. Yeah. But then again, <laughs> uh, Northwestern lost to Nebraska 56 to 7. Their only real, imp- I mean their wins on the year, they beat Rutgers, uh, Indiana State, who's an FCS school. Shout out to Missouri Valley, uh, the SEC of the FCS, and uh, Ohio, who's a really bad team for the MAC. So I I just North, I don't think Northwestern has a chance here. If 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 Michigan is as good as I think they are, uh, they 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 blow them out. But I, I'm too afraid to take the spread. I take yeah. Michigan to win the game.
0: It's a danger. It's a dangerous spread. Um, all right, moving into our 3:30 slot, we have UCLA taking on number 10 Oregon. Oregon, obviously, ranked the highest-ranked Pac-12 team. I think actually maybe the only ranked uh, after that Arizona State loss uh, this past week. Um, but not only did they move down in the ranking um sorry yeah they moved down from from number nine to number 10 here um so andy we'll start with you on this one two-point spread here um who takes it
2: oh i don't know man oregon they are you know a team that i that i like to root for i mentioned on this show they're my they're my younger brother's favorite team They're missing Verdell. They lose Verdell for the year. They lose Bennett Williams at safety for the year. Kayvon Thibodeau has been banged up. There just seem to be injuries everywhere for the Ducks. And yet they sit here with only one loss, which that one loss I still contend is bullshit. They should be undefeated right now. Um, But it's going to take a big game from Travis Dye. It's going to take this defense stepping up with uh, Sewell's younger brother at linebacker. They're going to have to figure out how to contain Uh, DTR, Uh, you know what he can do with his legs. You know he can sling it as well with 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions on the year. This is going to be a tough game for Oregon. Uh, They have to go to L.A. I mentioned earlier there are are a lot of other things to do uh, in L.A. on Saturdays, (laughs) but uh, you hope for a pretty decent crowd. I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to take the Ducks. Uh, I think they cover. I think they win by a field goal.
0: All right, Tom.
1: This is an interesting game, as Andy mentioned. Oregon's one loss was to Stanford in overtime. They also own a win over Ohio State. Uh, UCLA, they do have two losses on the year. Charbonnet is an outstanding running back who scares me in this game, but I trust Noah Sewell going up against him. But Britton Brown also averages over six yards a clip. So there's two guys right there that can run all over you um, without Kayvon Thibodeau in that lineup. The battle of the trenches is going to be key. Kyle Phillips, six TDs for ucla and dorian thompson robinson Uh, i just remember him a couple years ago uh he was just trading touchdowns left and right with the washington state quarterback i'll never forget that football game but ucla has losses to fresno state and arizona state the winner of this game will be the oregon ducks
0: yeah i i tend to agree i this is one that i was kind of close on here um i you know i really like charbonnet um, he was one of my Heisman dark horses at the beginning of the season. Still doing all right. Um, you know, averaging 6.4 yards on the ground. The team is kind of out of it in terms of doing anything uh, significant here with those two losses already, um, especially with Arizona State now out of the rankings. So that's not even a ranked loss for them. Um, but yeah, I think even uh, the, the Verdell injury, I, like, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is probably good to play pretty much. Um, ba- based on the time he's getting on the field, I think they would, because he's such a, a high draft pick going into this draft. I think his team would tell you know the the Oregon staff to to hold him out if he was actually you know more injured than they're they're giving off. Um, so I, th- I think he's probably fine. Um, so alongside Sewell and Verone McKinley, there that defense is stout enough. Um, I think to do the job here. Um, against uh uh. A Charbonnet, who's probably the biggest weapon for UCLA. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's been doing all right, but I'm—I mean, the Oregon—it's de- weird to say because usually the offense is the thing that stands out for Oregon. But this is a really solid uh, Oregon defense that has a lot of nice pieces in it. Um, so I think with health, a healthy Thibodeau, um, they'll be fine, despite the fact that you know their offense might be a little slow, um, especially with the loss of Verdell. So I'm also taking. The Ducks here over the UCLA Bruins. Then moving into our chaser slot uh, at 330, we have Oklahoma State going to Ames. We talked about this one a little bit earlier. This one on Fox. Um, tough place to play. Tom, do Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys get the win here or no?
1: My guy, Brees Hall, <laughs> has 10 touchdowns on the year. Uh, 748 yards uh Brock Purdy has not looked good, though. Um, I do like Xavier Hutchinson. He's a wide receiver. That could cause some problems. And Will McDonald, five and a half sacks. This guy's kind of jumped on the screen out of nowhere this season. I really like the play that he's brought. Uh, He's very good. His first move off the line is outstanding. He's beaten a lot of left tackles. But when I'm looking at Iowa State, they lost to number 10 Iowa. So that, 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 that was a tough game. And then they lost to Baylor which, granted, Baylor was a ranked team when they lost to them. I'm not sure if they still are. But how is Iowa State favored by seven in this game when you have Brock Purdy as your quarterback, no disrespect, um, Oklahoma State's running back is over 700 yards, uh, and their defense is just outstanding. This Cowboys defense, 19 sacks on the season. Malcolm Rodriguez leads an outstanding defense. And the Cowboys have not given up over 24 points in any game this season. The Cowboys are going to win this football game. And whoever the heck is making these spreads, quit your day, John.
0: <laughs> there you yeah. um, go. Andy, who's taking this one?
2: Tom took the words right out of my mouth about this uh, Oklahoma State defense. No more than 24 points allowed all year. The Iowa State defense—they're not really slouches themselves. Uh, they're only allowing 16 points a game uh, to their opponents. I mean, their two losses are to Iowa, a team that we've talked about, a team that got up to as high as number two, a very good football team, and a Baylor team that's looked very good this year. I, I again, I don't understand the spread either, Tom. I don't know how it's seven points. I, I could see Iowa State being favored in the game just because it's a home conference game um but yeah seven seems like too many hammer oklahoma state spread i think the cyclones win the game though Brees hall is getting mm. hot tom he's your guy 190 yards on the ground last game against kansas state they're gonna try to feed him the rock uh like you said 10 total touchdowns feed in the rock and just hope he finds pay dirt also brock purdy ever heard a little something called brocktober tom uh, I think Brock Purdy, for his career, only has like two or three losses in the month of October at Iowa State. They just put up insane numbers. I'm, I don't know the exact record, so I don't want to put that out there and have uh, misinformation coming out of my mouth, um, as if that's ever been a problem for me before. Um, <laughs> but I'm taking Iowa State to win the game in a close one, in a close defensive battle. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma State to cover the spread, though.
0: Yeah, definitely, you know, interesting because both defense have been doing so well here. Um, You guys talked up the Oklahoma State defense, um, but Iowa State is 12th in the nation uh, in points against. So um, they have been picking up um, the slack here for, you know, an offense that should have been the star of the show here um, for the Cyclones. Um, Yeah, I'm going also with the upset here. Uh, and taking Iowa state um despite this very weird spread that Vegas has has thrown on the table i'm not sure um why it's minus 7 i don't think ames be the game being in ames gives you that much more of uh, you, you know
2: sniff that out it's a rat line it's yeah not, a, don't take the cheese you don't take the
0: cheese you <laughs> sniff that out no cheese here um <laughs> But yeah, I think I'm more so just mad. This is another one of those games. This happened a few weeks ago where you see it and you're like, oh, this is an upset alert. And then you look at the spread and you're like, wait, why are they favored? because um, I would have preferred to have the points here. Yeah, um, I
2: would have loved plus money on this Las Vegas. Jesus Christ. Yeah.
0: So, um, that that's a disappointment. So not gonna <laughs> not gonna bet that. Staying away. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I like the upset here. Um, I do think Ames is really difficult and. Like you said, 197 yards last week for Brees Hall, so um, solid game for him to improve on. And uh, like I said, Oklahoma State has just been a a weird team to get a read on, so uh, my read is that they get upset this week. Um, Then moving into the 7.30 slot, we have our first game. It's hate week. We got Alabama taking on those low-down, dirty snitches, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers who littered the field with projectiles uh, rained down on Lane Kiffin uh, and the Ole Miss team last week. Um, but this game, not going to happen because the game is at Brian Denny, so no French's mustard is going to hit the field. Um, I think probably going to have a sweep here uh, on who we think, but <laughs> Andy, we'll start with you. Who's taking this game?
2: Yeah, it's all about Bama. It's all about Bama. I mean, Tennessee doesn't have a chance. I think in solidarity – with the Tennessee Volunteers fans, the uh, the Crimson Tide faithful need to just uh, shower the field with trash after the game. <laughs> um, so Bryce Young on the year, I mean, we talk about him every week, guys, but I mean, 24 touchdowns to three interceptions. He's over 2,000 yards on the year. On the other side of the ball, though, for Tennessee, Hendon Hooker has not been that bad. 1,400 yards, no, excuse me, 1,296 yards, 14 touchdowns and one interception, you know, I mean, taking over that job from Joe Mixon, uh, earlier in the year, I I just don't see Tennessee having a chance here. Their defense gives up too many points. We saw it last week. Alabama's a lock for, I think at least 40 points this week. And, uh, yeah, I I just don't think it's close.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's not much else I can say. (laughs) This is, this is purely a, a hate week special here. Um, If you just hate Tennessee or you didn't like what the fans did uh, last week, pelting everyone with projectiles, uh, you can watch what's probably going to be an absolute mauling here. Um, I mean, it's kind of interesting because as much as I didn't like Heupel uh, at the end of his tenure here at UCF, um, he's got their offense going pretty well at Tennessee. They're averaging 473 yards offense, which is a ton. Um, I know, uh, over the past years, that Burrow LSU offense uh, was doing that—you know—that high amount of volume uh, in offensive production. Alabama's pretty much doing it this year, not quite at 500, um, but 482. So for another SEC team, uh, especially like Tennessee, uh, to have their offense rolling that that well is is pretty interesting to see. Um, but I don't think it's going to help them here against Alabama. Maybe they put up like 21 points instead of you know 15 16 that they might have uh in typical situations here with that extra offense but like i said this is probably going to be an absolute mauling um and i'm sure lane will be at home with his popcorn have a little bit of that french's mustard uh for a hot dog and he'll be enjoying watching tennessee get beaten into the ground by the crimson tide tom
1: i love that uh french's mustard joke a lot um They're, I mean, the Vols have a decent defense. Uh, they lost 31, 26 last week to Ole Miss. Jeremy Banks is a good player for them, but going over to Bama, the fourth best offense in the nation led by Bryce Young, who has 24 touchdowns, Brian Robinson. Look, he's no Najee Harris, but he's young. He has eight TDs on the season. I love Jamison Williams talking about coming like a transfer player, uh, outstanding this season six touchdowns and almost 600 receiving yards and he's only caught 29 balls so he is making defenders miss after the catch his yards after the catch is very um alert alerting for opposing defenses uh concerning i should say and then john Mechie, you still have john Mechie, and then defensively you look at will anderson who has seven sacks from the linebacker position he's going to be the next next best bama linebacker to enter the nfl So, Bama's going to win this football game, and you want to take the points as well.
0: There we go. Uh, An obvious sweep, I think, there um, Mm -hmm. for Alabama. And Tom Tanyu, take the points. You can never go wrong uh, betting against Alabama and the spread, (laughs) um, especially with their new offense of the last couple of years. Uh, And another special, uh, like we said, the games aren't that great this year or this week. Um, No ranked matchups. But we're going to throw a little bit of uh, respect here to UTSA, the Roadrunners, ranked for the first time in school history. Our man Andy Hopper has been hyping them up over the last couple of weeks. They win again. Uh, we're going to give them the spotlight, uh, despite the fact that they only take on a lowly 2-4 and four, Louisiana Tech. Uh, Andy, obviously we're going to have to start with you on this one. Uh, you like my, your...
2: Yeah, my UTSA Roadrunners uh, that I've been talking about, school record, <laughs> Seven wins in a row. They've won 10 of their last 11 games dating back to last year. Jeff Trailer, the head coach, is now 14 and 5 in his first 19 games as the head coach of the UTSA Roadrunners. They're coming off a 45 to nothing shutout of Rice on the last Saturday night. Season high, 27,515 fans at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio to watch the Roadrunners. Shout out to them. It's just good to see these these smaller programs build up some fans. Frank Harris, I've been talking about him all year. I love him at quarterback. He's just a senior. He makes the right plays, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, He was 12 for 19 for 125, two touchdowns, 47 yards on the ground as well last year. Those numbers don't jump out at you, um, but when you've got a back like Sincere McCormick that you can just hand the ball off, uh, posting his fifth, 100-yard rushing game of the year. Uh, it, it, you just don't have to make those plays. Obviously, he has, uh, you know, Cephas on the outside as well, who's having a great year. They come into this game six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, they're going to Ruston to play Louisiana Tech. There's always – talk about it in the NFL. There's always, like, Seattle never plays a normal football game. If you've ever tuned into a football game at Louisiana Tech, There's always some shit going down. It's going to be crazy, but I'm riding with UTSA. They win their eighth game in a row. They cover the six and a half point spread, and they move up in the polls. Obviously, thank you. Thank you to the committee for listening to me again last week. You guys still cowards for only putting them at 24, (laughs) but you're a little bit less. Let's go Roadrunners.
0: The the cowards did finally rank them. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, I, th- I think this is going to be another sweep here, but I'm also picking uh, the Roadrunners. Like you said, this is, you know, a big step for the program. Three years ago, 2018, three wins. 2019, four wins. They're now 7-0, and chance to go 8-0. Um, this team is so fun to watch. Andy, I know uh, we were talking two weeks ago about that Western Kentucky game that went down to the wire, uh, 52-46, to uh, but they held on. Um, good win last week. I I don't know. I don't have much to say. You covered all their weapons. I don't think Louisiana Tech has, you know, many weapons that can compete here. Um, I think the most interesting piece of their offense is uh, their quarterback uh, Austin Kendall, who I believe was um, one of the ex-Baylor. Apparently, QBs just uh, like leaving Baylor because we, you know, we were talking before the show about Charlie Brewer. Uh, who was also a Baylor quarterback and got the hell out of there, uh, Austin Kendall, uh, ex-Baylor QB. So he's, you know, you he know he's going to be decent. Um, 1,300 yards, 10 TDs, eight interceptions. Um, you know, recruit as a recruit, probably you know pretty decent, uh, considering he was signed by Baylor but um, has moved down the pecking order to a team like Louisiana Tech. No disrespect. Oh,
2: wait. He was at Oklahoma. Austin Kendall? Yeah.
0: Okay, maybe I'm thinking of somebody, a different Austin.
2: Oklahoma, West Virginia, and then transferred to Louisiana Tech.
0: So this is his third team? Yeah. yeah. That is, okay, very interesting. I knew he was, I, I recognized the name from a little bit of the Big 12 action. We had some some Big 12 uh, mm-hmm. hosts over the years. Um and I knew I recognized the name. Well, there you go. Still um even better program to get recruited <laughs> into. Um, but again, he's down at Louisiana Tech now. Um, so he, he might be the only shot that they have of a little bit of redemption here. But I don't think they take the win. Uh, road runners in a route here for me. Um, Tom, who's your pick?
1: Yeah, well, the Bulldogs only have 10 sacks through six games. So defensively, they're no match. McCormick's going to run all over them. Um, The only weapon they really have offensively, the Bulldogs that I could think of, is Smoke Harris. Um, (laughs) Awesome name, but not going to be enough to win this football game. Give me the Roadrunners, and convincingly, 8-0 for UTSA.
0: There we go. Meep, meep. Put them in the playoff. (laughs) (laughs) A bold call there from Mr. Hopper uh, to get the Roadrunners into the playoff. Um, Hey, they have a shot, actually, um, at a New Year's Six Bowl, we should mention, because Coastal Carolina lost last night. Um, So if Cincinnati pulls off uh, a a playoff spot, there you go. Roadrunners could get into the New Year's Six. What a story that would be. Um, But that'll wrap up our Shots and Chasers Games of the Week. Uh, And with it, the show. Uh, Enjoy the games this week. Enjoy your weekend again. Like and subscribe down below. All the links down in the description for us, for Andy shows, for Tom's shows. Uh, again, enjoy the shows. And we'll see everybody next week.